Welcome to the Queer Romance Readers Discord server Spotlight Talk about The Man Who Loved Cole Flores by K.A. American. I am Rachel, one of the server moderators, and with me is... I'm Ella. And we are really excited to talk about this book um, with a little forewarning that we will be discussing the first book in detail, so... There could be spoilers there if that's something that you don't like and you haven't read this book already for some crazy reason. You should go read it and then listen. Um, And yeah, I think it's worth saying that uh, the books, The Man Who Loved Cole Flores and The Man Who Hated Ned O'Leary, are very much a duology and go together. I just feel like if if you aren't prepared to read two long books in a very short period of time, (laughs) <laughs> you shouldn't even start because you will want the whole story as soon as you start if you're anything like me. So that's my little preamble. Do you have anything else in general, yeah. Ella? To add on to that, I started reading this series just as my like KU subscription was running out. And the like the second book was coming out like on the day I was running out. So I read that under a day, which I was very proud of myself for. <laughs> That is something to be proud of because they are long. I mean, they, they're fast paced, but there's a lot of story and romance and wonderful, smutty stuff. In them. <laughs> yeah. So they're fact, but they are, they're lengthy. So that's great though. I, um, I love a good long book and I really love two long books. So it's just, just perfect. Yeah, it was quite a nice change. I feel like so many romances I read are like 250 words, and this was like a nice and meaty one. How many words did you just say? 250? I think you meant pages. Did I say words? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you did. You did say that. It's like, what kind of a bookstore do you work at? <laughs> you can fit a lot of books in. Yeah, you could. You could read them all. All right, I'll turn it over to you then for the summary. (laughs) Yeah, so the man who loved Cole Flores follows Ned O'Leary, a young man who's been living with his uncle ever since the Gotham boys attacked his family when he was a child. When Ned meets the enigmatic Cole Flores whilst gambling at the local saloon, he is given the chance to take revenge for the death of his family. All he all has to do is join Cole's gang and gain his trust. But things get complicated fast as he sinks further into the violence and pleasure of Cole's outlaw world. That's a good summary. I, um, I also kind of touched on this a little bit already, but the book does have um, a, a second part. It's very much the first in the duology. And structurally, I found these books so interesting. I really love uh, single point of view romances, which I know not everybody feels that way, but I just love the tension of not really knowing what the other character is thinking at all times. But um, when the authors are skillful, like these, these authors are, you can kind of get a sense of what's going on even before the point of view character figures it out. I just love that. And it's so well done here. But then for those who prefer dual point of view and hearing from both characters, it's kind of the best of both worlds because the first book is from the point of view of Ned O'Leary and then the second one is from the perspective of Cole. So you you get a little bit of uh, 
the advantages of both of those structures and this duology, which I just loved. All right. One of the other things that I really admired about this book was the sort of combination of a fantastical but realistic feeling Wild West setting. And I say fantastical in that this book very much has a vibe of sort of the Wild West, which, I mean, I don't know that that's like a real thing in human history, but it's something that we have definitely created in cinema and books, um, you know, as a cultural thing that exists um, in those mediums. And it has all of the things that I really like about the concept of the Wild West in entertainment that I have consumed in the past, but it doesn't have that kind of like glossy scrub down, you know, like like all of the black and white series that you might have um, seen clips of from TV or like if you're like me watched on TV. Um, it doesn't have that sort of sanitized feeling at all. It really to me has a more of like a realism. If, if this is really how these people have lived and if you were really an outlaw in the Wild West, if you will, like what what would that really have been like? And it would have been, you know, thrilling but also frightening and would not have been clean all the time and people would not have been um kind very often and all of that really came through in this book i feel um i think it's the author's blurb that describes it as a gritty book and it so is and that being said the moments of sweetness between the characters that are there because there is like a lot of tenderness in their relationship it still feels rooted in this time that is so um like dark and difficult and so to me that just emphasized uh the just the appeal of the relationship that they form in this setting so it's kind of rambly but yeah I think um I I felt like the book was unique in that way it really like straddled the line between I mean it was definitely a romance but it had um a lot of darker themes and elements and the characters certainly um are more complex. You can't, I mean, I don't think you can call either one of them like a true um, villain at any point, but they, they do bad things, but it feels like it fits the setting. If they, if they, in the premise, you know, if bad things didn't happen, it wouldn't feel real. And instead, bad things do happen, and it really adds to the to the tension all along. I mean, the best romances, of course, we know are going to end with a happy ending, but the best ones, we feel at some point in the book like how is it going to happen it can't they can't even though we know that they will and I definitely experienced that at a lot of points in this book which just has a lot of really great action and tension and disturbing stuff you know but but not too much because I'm kind of I'm kind of a wuss but it goes it goes really far but not too far I just really appreciated the way that the setting and the action was was done and we can edit at least half of that. So I feel like I definitely repeated myself, but that's just what happens when I get excited. <laughs> so. Yeah, there's a lot of Marley Gray characters and it fit the setting so well. And what I, because I've never really been interested in like the Wild West. I remember like having to do an American unit uni and having to watch a very old, boring film with that super famous <laughs> cowboy actor who I, oh. That was two hours of my life wasted. <laughs> but then I read this and I just absolutely fell in love with the world. Like, yeah, it was pretty grim. Like, there's there's a lot of violence. Like, I mean, 
And I guess in that situation, you know, it's especially in the Wild West of America, in which it was pretty lawless at times. You kind of it's this it's such a contrast to a lot of the kind of historical romance I've been reading, which are all like set in England, following like lords and nobles, and this is like similar kind of time period, but just because it's such a different setting there's just it's a lot more grim but also just so much more it's just really enjoyable and it's also quite nice to read about characters who aren't filthy stinking rich oh my gosh i knew you were gonna say that ella because <laughs> i started talking about most historicals because you and i have discussed this that there's not often like a great representation of people that were kind of on the lower end of the socioeconomic scale in um, historical romance and so yeah i think that's so true. This definitely is not about rich people and the characters' voices are really well done. You know, they they feel like people who have like a rough have had a rough time ever since childhood. So, you know, not super sophisticated or educated, but um still very readable uh in both their perspectives. I just feel like the prose here is really lovely without ever feeling like it doesn't stay true to the to a voice for the characters that feels authentic within their background. What I particularly liked about the characters was just like the the homoeroticism and like Ned's sexual awakening because from the very start, like Cole and Ned are like they're they're very touchy feely. They're like super affectionate with each other, but just because of how like you know, Ned was brought up. For a lot of the time, he's like, this is a total normal thing for men to do. There's, like, nothing further to read because men don't do that with each other. And this is also the benefit of having, whereas just from his POV, but you can see that Cole, it, you know, likes him and wants to go further. And Ned is just quite oblivious to that for a fairly long time. But I just, it just gives you that excuse to kind of have those really intimate moments um, without it kind of, whilst you know, stringing on the tension of kind of will they or won't they sort of thing just because he's just and I also found it quite funny how like the first thing that Ned thinks of to like gain Cole's trust is to pretend he's been bitten by a snake in the thigh and then gets Cole to suck suck the quote-unquote poison from his thigh and it's like this this is a normal thing (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, I I don't want to interrupt you because everything you're saying is great. But yes, I agree. I feel like there were two times where, as the reader, I was so wanting, I kind of sensed that it wasn't going to, but I kind of so wanted the next part of that scene, you know, where like, Benny has a blowjob. But, yeah. um, so but the tension that was created when it didn't go there was, was really good and that it wasn't frustrating to me. It was just like the good kind of tension. It was like, ah, this is building to something really hot, but... Um, but I'm okay with it not happening yet because I'm enjoying, I really actually enjoyed all of Ned's obliviousness. It never annoyed me, which I think it can sometimes with a character that just sort of doesn't realize what's going on. But it felt very, I thought it felt very um, true to who he was. It didn't ever feel contrived to me. And I enjoyed that too. Yeah, well, because he, he mentions quite a lot that, you know, when you know, when he tried to masturbate, like, he could just never imagine women, but then he just kind of, I can remember, he didn't think of men either, it was just, like, never, like, a possibility that he ever thought, which understandable at the time, yeah, it would, understandably wouldn't have been, like, the natural 
occurring thing to think. Um, but I just, because I, I really like kind of seduction narratives and I quite like the combative scene in which they're, they're hanging out in that town together, getting quite drunk and they're dancing and they take that really cute picture, which is like they're obviously smitten with each other from looking at it. And then Cole's like, hey, I, I can teach you how to kiss. And it just stumbles from that where it's just kind of, it's that really perfect seduction of a kind of naive character we yeah kind of like naive in a sense in that area but i just i thought that was very hot <laughs> yes i agree and i think that it works too because um like cole and you learn as the story goes on that he 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 knows i mean he's more aware of himself and like what he desires and that it's something that people do i think but not super, I mean, he doesn't have really much experience at that point either. So they're both like sort of uh, learning together. It's just that, it's just that um, Ned has further, like more to learn, like conceptually. <laughs> yeah. I know, I'm- I think they're darling. And then the other scene that, um, where like I wanted, I wanted the thing that Ned was imagining to happen, but it was okay that it didn't was so good is when they go to the camp and they're kind of like partying and Ned's, Ned's there obviously but kind of apart from them all and experiencing jealousy without really knowing what it is and then um, Cole like proposes or gets one of the girls to propose that they do that they have a threesome Ned and Cole and this girl this Mary right and anyway um, Ned imagines it for a second like just how he would like be there seeing Cole doing something sexual but he never gets to how it could be like sexual between him and Cole, but he he knows it's exciting he doesn't really know and so he says no and it's just I, I bet that would have been a hot scene too I, yeah, I would have yeah. <laughs> the, the hot scenes that weren't but I think that it was the right choice on the author's part but <laughs> But yeah, so there are these like near misses, and then of course what you described, which is where the de- the dots kind of connect for Ned. And then I appreciated that Ned then struggles still a little bit with it, like not being sure that he's comfortable, but not to an extreme. You know, it doesn't go into like any sort of extreme self disgust or um, like a lot of internalized homophobia, which I appreciated. Sometimes that's a lot that can be a lot in a book that already has a lot of heavy stuff going on so he does have to grapple with it but he gets there pretty fast and then they're so sweet together while they're going across the land murdering people (laughs) yeah it's just a lot of self-discovery and i think that leads on to a scene that i quite liked is when they're they're trying to do like penetrative sex for the first time and they're they're not doing it quite right they're kind of fumbling and ned didn't like it like at all and he Gets, he feels a lot of shame around it because he's like, you know, what happens if I can't, you know, give the the pleasure that Carl wants? Like, is he going to leave me? And he just feels really bad. And then they have that sex ed lesson from the hall <laughs> in the town. And that was that was just so <laughs> very funny. Like, <laughs> it was just such a good thing. But that I is because so- we were talking about that in our theme week about sex and fiction, about how often there isn't you know there's kind of awkward moments where normally in romance books they're like they get it on the head all the time and they always have like the best sex ever whereas here 
And they got that growth in which they don't really know how to do something and then they learn how to improve it and then it improves and grows their relationship and it was just such a cute and funny moment. Yeah, I agree. That was that was one of my favorite parts of the book. Yeah. And I I would say like and I don't again, I don't want to interrupt, but yeah, I mean to me that your mention of the of their lesson with the whore is a great example of like how the plot is so dark at moments. Like we have this revenge effort from from Ned, of course, that sets up the whole plot. He really wants to like bring down the gang and he hates the elder members of the gang. But of course he from the beginning has this soft spot for Cole because he remembers him from when he basically saved Ned's life probably by not revealing him. Um, and if you haven't read the book, none of this is going to make sense. But basically, um, when the gang killed Ned's family, Ned was there hiding in the home. And Cole, who was a child at the time, too, saw Ned hiding but didn't tell the adults where he was. And so if he had, it's very possible he would have been killed. I mean, we can tell that from sort of the erratic and violent behavior of um, of Tom, the butcher Tom, the leader of the gang. So. Anyway, from the beginning, he kind of, he knows who Cole is, and so he sort of has this soft spot for him. But then, of course, it grows to be much more than that. I mean, he loves Cole, and he wants to somehow bring down the gang and save Cole. And there's it's just it's just an impossible position. And he's also in the impossible position of trying to stay with the gang long enough to and gain their trust and all those things in order to um, help facilitate this teardown of the gang. But he really can't do that without getting blood on his hands and the more that he tries different ways of avoiding that and justifying it the more twisted up he gets and so this plot um and the sweetness of the romance together the juxtaposition of that i felt like was really powerful and it really makes you feel for ned like you're rooting for him but at the same time you're like there's just no way he can get out of this without just sort of destroying himself and and although the book the the duology does have a classic romance resolution. That's all I'll say. Like it does, all this takes a toll on Ned. And the moment where they're in the town and he knows that the woman who was kind to them and helped them, or who helped them with the with their anal sex lesson is dead, to me that pulls together like the two halves of the story in a way. Like all of the things that have happened between him and Cole are touched by the fact that all of this stuff is going on around them so yeah. that was that was so heartbreaking when they found the body of the whole mm-hmm. oh i was just i was thinking, like man hopefully she survived and that was yeah and i just also you know talking about ned's kind of drive for revenge i found that one of the most shocking moments is when you know so the the whole gang have found out that Cole and Ned are in a relationship and there's a, most of them don't like it. There's quite a few kind of homophobic, you know, slurs thrown at them from like the, the women and they get like a lot of shit for it. And then Tom, he meets up with Ned and he's like, I'll accept your relationship with Cole. And if I accept it, then everyone else would accept it. And so Ned is given this opportunity to, you know, stay with Cole and to not take his revenge and to just be with the man he loves. But instead, he, he 
he gets his revenge with family and he kills Tom. And I was just, I totally <laughs> understand why he killed Tom. I kind of, I also wanted Tom dead. Although I kind of wish that hadn't happened because he, they could have had, they could have stayed together the entire time. But it was just so true to his character that he would have done that. But it was, it was yeah. just a great scene. Right. And I feel like we were positioned to understand that even better. And he was positioned to make that choice by the fact that of like what they'd just seen in the town with everyone dying. I mean, it was like he had to understand that it wasn't just revenge anymore. It was like more and more of this horrible stuff was going to keep happening if, um, if he didn't act. I think that was maybe part of what made that moment so believable and compelling because you're right just this guy is awful this butcher tom dude obviously but he does love cole and he even like appreciates and maybe cares about ned starting to he trusts him at least enough to have like really brought him into the gang and given him the tattoo and all that so it's it's like one of those moments where you think no one is completely bad or you know or completely good of course ned shows us that but like, he isn't a total inhuman monster. You know, he has these moments of kindness, and he strove to understand the relationship that Cole and Ned were having. He didn't have to do that. So, yeah, to me, that was, I love that in a darker kind of story like this, where you can't just blindly hate anyone. All of the characters have humanity in them. So, yeah, that's such a good scene. Yeah, I really like that in my villains, where they you know, all the kind of villains in history have been human people with very different, like, dimensions with different people. And, you know, they don't have straight-up monsters. They're all just humans. And here, it would have just been so easy to just have doubled down on Tom being, like, super homophobic and horrible and, like, kicking them out. And then that would, you would have easily gone along with, like, oh, yeah, of course he would have killed him. Because I think we're all rooting for him to kill him by the end. Apart from when you have that little opportunity there. But yeah, that just it just added so much more to the story. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a great moment, and then of course from there you're just catapulted along with all the action and the deterioration of everything. Like you just the walls are falling in on Ned, and um, and then there's the culmination at the end, which is like this amazing crisis point to end the book on. And I'm so glad I didn't read the first book until the second book was literally a second away from me <laughs> in my Kindle <laughs> because there's such a cliffhanger at the end of the book, which is why I say um, you got to have them both ready, ready to go. <laughs> uh, I had to wait like a week. <laughs> I was on edge the entire time. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's good. And I mean, anticipation is great too, but the instant gratification I is what I choose every time. So, <laughs> Ash, so like just in general, um, I love enemies to lovers, you know, in one of our chats, although we were talking jokingly about how a lot of things are branded enemies to lovers and that's, is it really? Um, did anyone try to kill the other one? <laughs> <laughs> we kind of like are annoyed at each other, but like have yeah, tried no. to kill a close family member. Yeah, <laughs> like if they're rival bakers. That's not enemies. Mm. If you fired a gun and it just didn't have any more ammunition in it, and that's why the other person is alive, 
that's enemies. And um, I, I don't know. The book to me is definitely, I would say, enemies to lovers by most people's standards, the first one. But then the second one, of course, is set up to be true enemies to lovers, like murder, murder enemies. <laughs> I want to kill you, enemies. And um, I love that. You know, I think it's so hard to pull off. But man, when it is um, pulled off, which this, these books do it, it's such a great trope and I love it. So this is going to be my new top of the list and lovers recommendation on top of all the other things I love it for. It's such a great um, illustration of, of that to me because I feel like you believe it when they hate each other and want each other dead. Well, really only one of them ever wants the other one dead. Do you know what I mean? And then you believe it, they get past that and, and you know, find a place where they're happy together and totally in love with each other. So Yep. Just a great read. So I, we talked about this. Um, we've talked about this before in our, uh, in our previous conversations for sure. But I really think that for me, the difference between a darker premise succeeding or failing is whether I get like signals from the story, whether it's a side character or the character's internal struggles or whatever that, there, that this is dark, these dark waters that we're playing in don't leave someone unscathed. And that this book is so successful in that, where Ned thinks that he can go in there and just be virtuous, but of course he can't be. And, um, you know, he can't identify what the right and wrong thing is, even before he's totally compromised by trying to protect Cole and somehow find a way out of it for Cole. I mean, even early on, like on the train, when he saves Ted, or saves Ted, saves Tom from um, sort of the Good Samaritan who tries to intervene in the train robbery when um, Tom is kind of harassing a young woman. There's a, a man who, like, gets off his seat and runs at Tom and knocks his weapon away and, like, could have maybe killed him or at least could have turned and the crowd could have overtaken Tom. And Ned is the only one there to stop it. He does because he feels like that's the big picture, like getting the whole gang brought down, not just like letting letting Tom alone die. And so then, of course, that blows up. He thinks he can intervene in that and save Tom, but those people might not die. And then, of course, people die. And it seems like that happens every time Ned tries to do something wrong for the right reasons. You know, you can't do that and, and get away without getting your hands bloody and making everything seemingly worse. And so I just love the progression of that. So he tries, he tries to intervene and save Tom. And then later when Scotch and Ned are in the town together and Scotch gets himself in trouble and Ned just lets it play out and lets him get killed. That's what leads to the massacre in the town. So it's like whether he acts or doesn't act, just being there and making decisions, um, you know, kind of leaves these stains on his soul that he ultimately can't get away from. And so I think the violence in this book is definitely there and is a part of it, but it never feels gratuitous. You know, it just feels like necessary to tell the story that that's being told. And it's definitely the tagline of the, of the duology, big two graves. That is a great, a great execution of the theme of like, you cannot, you cannot um, get your revenge and not just sort of destroy yourself in the process, which um, which is 
pretty much what happens, except that love conquers all. And so in the end, <laughs> everything, everything resolves. I just, I still can't really believe what this book achieves in terms of being like a book that is about Ned and his revenge and this awful downward spiral, but it's also a romance. Like it really is both of those things. It's really impressive to me. Yeah, I'm just, I feel like I've read quite a few books, which because I do quite like revenge uh, stories. And there's been like a few fantasy ones in which the main character, you know, goes to like an assassin school, they become like a super glamorous and beautiful assassin, and they, you know, wreak their bloody revenge. And it's, it's a lot of fun, those books. But I feel like with this one, you get like, when you make those decisions, you know, your hands are stained, you... Because by the end of it, Ned makes some, he does some really awful things. Like when he's trying to save Cole at, at the end, so that the town's been sorted, he's trying to like escape with Cole. And they, he'd heard a rumor from this doctor that they had found something like really precious in the town. And so they tried to go get this precious thing so they can set up a new life in California. And it turns out to be a super old fossil, which obviously they can't really do anything with. <laughs> and whilst uh, Cole gets shot and whilst Ned's trying to get him to the doctor there's this young girl who tries to stop them and she's pointing a gun at them and Ned shoots her he he mm-hmm. just shoots this completely innocent girl and I, I understand why he did it but it's just such to see how far he's just gone by just making these decisions getting more and more violent and then it leads to something that at the start of the book he would have never even thought about doing just to save the man he loves yeah and you know ella you were mentioning these like super sexy assassin vengeance stories that you that you started with see that kind of dark romance i don't enjoy i think we're different and that you can you enjoy that story and i can't get i can't get into it but i were in agreement this is like a different kind of um, definitely a different kind of dark story and to me the only kind that, that I enjoy <laughs> with the um, with, uh, with the Scotch situation because that's a situation in which I I was totally on Ned's side in just leaving Scotch to die to let him be killed by the town people because Scotch is just an awful person like he just goes <laughs> on these horrible rants he's objectively like I feel like he's because he's not as charming as Butcher Tom and so well, he, yeah he has all of that misogynistic stuff too he's like so awful about women and um so yeah I kind of wanted to drown him in a bucket even before <laughs> he was drowned in a bucket or a trough I can't remember so, I had no, yeah I had no sympathy for him but at the same time, it was like, um, you know, it was it was almost like Ned took his eye off the ball because he should have probably realized that um, that he would be blamed for having left Scotch alone. You know, I don't know, but but right, it's it was not a moment of mourning for me. I was glad for that guy to be next. But so then to have that quite because i'll admit it was a quite enjoyable moment to see that man die and then to have that like devolve into the bloody carnage that it is and then for butch tom to completely massacre the entire town 
and you decide, oh, maybe he should have saved Scott. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>, hindsight. <laughs> I know that um, the whole lead into that to the scene where they discover that everyone in the town has been poisoned in some way or, or most all, um, is really, is really powerful. I mean, of course, even Cole doesn't know what's going on. And then you kind of wonder like, what if Cole had known, I think he wouldn't have liked it, but he probably wouldn't have done anything about it. Um, they're all very willing to follow Butcher Tom wherever he leads. And so to me, that, that really ratchets up the tension at the end of the book where um, when Ned chooses to shoot the law enforcement that are coming after them. Um, so he's to save Cole, you know, he's hundred percent killing like a good person probably to save a bad person. And, um, you know, air quotes around good and bad, of course, but, um, and, and it's, I was really torn. And then, of course, I was still reeling from the fact that there was a horse death, which <sighs> that was hard. That was hard on me. <laughs> the whole town gets poisoned. Me, eh, you know, this happens in books. Thunder's death. I was like, ah! <laughs> I gotta take a break. <laughs> so, anyway, I am that reader, yes. But, um, yeah, at the end, you're like, Neither Ned nor Cole are good people. Of course, we're rooting for them because we love them. But um, but that choice that Ned makes to not only to shoot one of the people coming after, like shoot at them, but to strategically shoot the father of the other, um, their, their marshals or something, I think, or Pinkerton. Sorry, there's like a father and son Pinkerton um, on the team. And he shoots the father knowing that then the son will like come after him and let, and let Cole go. Like it's just... Cycle of revenge. Very neatly done. I also I found it very interesting the kind of the moral codes of the gang in which so so when Ned joins, uh but Tom's all like, Oh yeah, I, I have this form which I don't rape anyone, like I, I treat the women with can. I saved like my wives and it's all great. And then Ned's just like but you raped my mother when I was a child and I had to like be around for that. And then my mother was so distraught that she killed herself. And it's just because it, Tom just kind of painted himself as like, yeah, I mean, maybe bad things, but I've got like my own rules. And this is going like, well, you completely disregarded that for this. Like, cause his family were totally like innocent. They just, they didn't want to let like a bunch of like gang members into the house. And the punishment was for the dad to die and for the mom to get, like, brutally raped, which... I think, too, that the when he murders everyone in the town, like, even the gay, the heart, the kind of... Like, they're not going to let themselves think about it too hard, but nobody's, except maybe Zeb, is, like, having a good time. Then, you know, which, again, is just showing that, you know, there's not... No one is totally evil, and Butcher Tom is, like, only as evil as he convinces himself is okay against strangers. You know what I mean? Like, in his mind, he has a reason for doing that. It's just, like, um, he has this radical, crazed temper, you know? And so when he feels like he's been foiled, he has these explosive reactions. And I think we see that time and time again, and then we can kind of understand 
how like maybe he did something that was a little bit out of the ordinary at Nick's house, but it was still something he's, you know, he's not going to apologize for it. Um, yeah. So, right. I think Ned, poor Ned, you know, you can never fault him for wanting what he wants. And, and then at the same time, you're like, this is, there's just no way this is going to end well for you, buddy. And it doesn't. But um, it does ultimately, sorry, ends <laughs> and well. But we're only talking about the first book, which in hindsight, we probably should have just pulled them together into one discussion. But then we would have had to talk for three hours. So, you know, yes. it is what it is. <laughs> we do our best. <laughs> very good. Yes, also very good. <laughs> yes. No, totally satisfying um, resolution between the two of them, I thought. So. Yeah, well, is there anything else you had on this one, Ella? Um, well, if we talk about the authors, because, okay, so first thing you should know is that they they both have a TikTok account. If we have TikTok, <laughs> should we go follow them? Do, oh, did we have the... Yes, it's linked in the um, Spotlight Author channel. And I said in there that I highly recommended the TikTok especially. So... <laughs> Yeah, so at Cat American and at Ang's, I'm really sorry if I mispronounced your name, Ang's American. Uh, they're, yeah, because they are so funny <laughs> on TikTok and they've got me to buy a lot more of their books because, again, I think they are so prolific. And I feel like if you enjoy dark romance, there is something for you that they have written because they've done so much. And I particularly enjoyed their, yeah, I think the, the folklore series. Because the first one in that has got like demons and priests and possessions, which totally my jam. Yeah, I I have so many to reads um, from their catalog, and I think also just today, which of course we're recording this on May seventh, so it's not today while you're listening, whoever you are. But they have a new release, um, which is a body swap romance, which I am pretty excited about because I never even that didn't occur to me but now that it has and that's um take my body so it looks really good I know as soon as I like saw the premise I was I just wanted to read it right now like that's <laughs> such an intriguing scenario I can't yes but you couldn't read it right then because you had to do this talk with me but you could read yeah. it now <laughs> Except it's midnight or whatever it is in the UK. I could probably squeeze it in. <laughs> Don't be worth it. That's right. Good girl. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, does, oh my gosh, a note here from Kat that the book is 130,000 words. So you might not get through it after all. <laughs> <laughs> I just stay up all night. Yeah. yeah, just you and a cat and a book. That sounds pretty good to me. Okay, well, if we if we have said, I don't think we've said all we could say, but we've said a lot, and we're almost out of time, so should we wrap it up? Yes. Yeah. Thank you to okay. anyone who's going to listen to us when I post, post the podcast. And thanks to the authors for listening in. <laughs> yeah, that was... That was not intimidating at all. It was good. <laughs> Just good. <laughs> all right. Well, our next spotlight, should we say that? The next one is going to be 
Oh, yes. Um, May 21st, 27th is Carol Cummings' book Sonata Form, which is lovely, a fantasy, and we can't wait to talk about it. And just before, between now and then, we can always drop into the server and talk about any books, but definitely you want to come in um, and talk about The Man Who Loved Cole Flores. If you haven't read it yet, you should read it now. And there will still be time to ask the authors questions in our text Q&A channel. So make sure you drop in and do that. 